John 8, beginning at verse 31, this is God's holy and infallible word. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants, and we've never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. I am telling you what I've seen in the Father's presence, and you do what you have heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do the things Abraham did. As it is, you are determined to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the things your own father does. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and now am here. I have not come on my own, but he sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar, and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? He who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. The Jews answered him, Aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? I'm not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honor my Father and you dishonor me. I'm not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. I tell you the truth, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. At this, the Jews exclaimed, Now we know that you are demon-possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. Yet you say that if anyone keeps your word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My Father, whom you claim is your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you, but I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet fifty years old, the Jews said to him, and you have seen Abraham? I tell you the truth. Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. And at this, they picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. That's God's word for us this morning. May he bless it to our lives. Another interesting, challenging group of verses that are a dialogue between Jesus and and the people of his day. The end of verse 42 of 32, right at the beginning, is going to be our focus. The truth will set you free. And this comes out of this dialogue with Jesus and the people of his day. 
in all of history, you couldn't think of too many bigger ideas than the idea of truth and the idea of freedom. More books than any of us could ever read have been written on these subjects. We value truth and freedom. Pretty much all people want to know the truth, right? And want to be free. I don't know who wouldn't or who doesn't, but what people mean by freedom and truth, that's, that's another thing altogether. Freedom seems to mean freedom to do and think and act however we like, but we know that can't be what freedom really is. And, and, and as for the truth, people seem to be playing pretty fast and loose with the truth these days. Maybe you heard about the ship captain who one day recorded in the ship's log, first mate drunk today. It was true, but it was the first time that it ever happened. And so the first mate pleaded with the captain to amend that statement. But the captain refused, saying it was a true statement. Well, the next time the first mate was in charge of the ship, he recorded a true statement of his own in the log. Captain sober today. In our text, our Lord Jesus addresses freedom and truth, these deep, profound, foundational matters that have occupied so much human thought. And and what I want to do this morning is to get these big philosophical ideas out of the clouds, out of the books, out of theory, and bring them into our lives. I want us to see what life looks like when the truth has set you free. I believe from our text it has four characteristics. First of all, the truth has set you free. You hold to Jesus' teaching. Jesus says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. There's so many different ideas about what the truth is. There are some people that think there are all sorts of different truths. Here we read that the teaching of Jesus, God's Son, is the truth. That's the truth. How do we know his teaching? Where do we get it from? Well, we get it from his word, the Bible. A lot of places in our text show the connection between the truth and Jesus' teaching, Jesus' word. Verses 37, 43, 47, Jesus is criticizing these people who says, you don't have the truth, and he says, you have no room for my word. You're unable to hear what I say. You do not hear. So these people are missing the truth, which is the same thing as saying they are not hearing the word of Jesus. And in verses 51 and 55, Jesus encourages us to keep his word, and that is so we do not miss the truth. And so, if we have been set free by the truth, we hold to the teachings of Christ. We want to be learning more and more about his word, the Bible. This is, of course, one of the big reasons we gather together like this on Sundays as believers, right? We read that Jesus is in dialogue with the Jews, and he's telling them they're not free, and they don't like it at all, that Jesus would dare suggest they're slaves. And they say in verse 33, We are Abraham's descendants. We've never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? 
For the, the people in Jesus' day, the religious leaders at the time, they connected freedom with their blood, with their ethnicity. And they used that to create an us versus them mentality. They used that to keep people that weren't of their blood, weren't related ethnically, historically, to Abraham. They used that to keep who they want, those certain people on the inside, and to keep other people on the outside, spiritually speaking. And that can still happen today among God's people, like it happened then when we treat people as outsiders or insiders, as Christians. It can happen in the church. It's a terrible thing. It's a serious matter. We've got to fight our sinful nature with the truth of God in Christ. The truth is that all who hold to Jesus' teaching have been set And the truth is, that truth is for anyone. The invitation is for all to come to Christ. And Jesus says, if the Son has set you free, you will be free indeed. Whatever your ethnic background, however sordid your past, whether you became a Christian yesterday or you've been a believer your whole life, you have equal standing before the Father with every other believer. Sometimes people look for freedom in laws and legislation. And as believers, we believe that our laws do good for society, especially that they curb evil. But, but of course, legislating stuff, laws can't bring true freedom. And, and I think we have a sense of that. I don't think any of us has great hope that, that somehow the government or politics can legislate things and that will solve everything as good as laws are to curb evil. You know, out of the civil rights movement, laws were changed for the good, but those laws can't change a racist's heart. As believers, we want the practice of abortion to be outlawed, but no law is going to make people in their heart respect all human life, as God's word calls us to. But when someone hears the teaching and the word of Jesus, well, that's when transformation can start to happen. The unofficial motto of the CIA, it's engraved in the lobby, is ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Someone once said that it should be changed to you. We shall find out the truth, and then we're going to keep it all to ourselves. But what, what is the truth they are after, though. What kind of truth are they after? And, and, and a lot of universities around the world have put those words, the truth will set you free, on their campuses, on buildings on their campuses. But how many of them are, are, are leading the young people of our nation, our world, to freedom? What they value, human knowledge, human reason, human opinion, that has its place. It's helpful, but only up to a point. Only up to a point. The Bible says there's something more ultimate and more authoritative, truly authoritative, than all of that for our lives and for salvation. Jesus says, if you hold to my teaching, you will know the truth. And so, a life that has been set free will be characterized by listening to Jesus' word. How's that looking in your life? Where are you still putting your preferences, maybe your prejudices, first? 
Second, when the truth has set you free, you experience freedom from sin. I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin, we read. This is a bondage that all people are born into, we read in Romans. Romans says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Freedom in Jesus includes freedom from sin. You might think, well, maybe the truth has not set me free then because I still sin. I still struggle with stuff, some of it pretty big time. But there's a difference between being in bondage to sin and still sinning. Someone who does not belong to Jesus is in bondage to sin. To those who reject him, Jesus says in verse 44, you belong to your father, the devil. This is how the Bible describes us if we don't belong to Jesus. We're in bondage. We're children of the devil. When we hear the truth of Christ's word and we turn to him, we will experience freedom from sin. Not that we never sin again, but in the sense that sin is no longer our master. Lord's Day 1 of a great confession of our church, the Heidelberg Catechism says, we have been set free from the tyranny of the devil. We still struggle with sin, but that's not our default mode anymore. And when we do sin, it grieves us, and we confess it. We confess that sin to God. We confess our sins to others. If in our sinning we've hurt them, or we've hurt their good name. We fight against sin because that's not who we are anymore when we belong to Jesus. That's not who we want to be. Jesus says the people who reject him do the things their father, the devil, does. Well, we want, on the other hand, to do things our father, God, does. So we obey him. We live for him. We serve him. We live lives of service wherever he's called us. That's freedom. It's freedom from sin, freedom to live for God. And so ever-increasing holiness, a desire for godliness, that will characterize people who have been set free by the truth. Third, when the truth has set you free, you have a lasting and a secure freedom. What we've got in Jesus is not a temporary or fleeting thing. Jesus says a slave has no permanent place in the family to be thrown out on a whim. But a son belongs to the family forever. And in Jesus, that's what you and I have, a permanent place in the family of God, a lasting freedom. There's nothing else like that because other freedoms, world's The world's freedoms are temporary, every single one of them, like money. You think, if if I had money, if I had that, I would have financial freedom, and boy, wouldn't life be great. Everything is going to be okay to have that financial freedom. But you know what? Money runs out, and the freedom's gone that you thought you had. Drugs and alcohol give people a feeling of freedom. 
but it's very, very fleeting. There's so much that gives temporary freedom. But all of those freedoms are like having a bucket with a big hole in the bottom of it because you have to you keep filling it, it runs out. You've got to keep filling it. Only the freedom in Jesus is a bucket that is sound. It stays filled. The truth of our God lasts. Jesus tells us that a son belongs to the family forever. And he also says, he who keeps my word will never see death. He's talking about everlasting life. So this is truly a lasting freedom. It goes beyond the grave. Nothing, no one can take it away. So we've seen three characteristics of a life set free by the truth so far. And I hope that, that as you've been listening, you've been able to ask yourself, is there evidence of these things in my life, these three that you see up there? First, a person set free by the truth holds to Jesus' teaching, and he listens to his word. Is that true in your life? If that's true, you should be able to point to evidence, examples of how you put God's word first. What changes could be made so that that you could better hold to Jesus' teaching and know his truth more? Second, a life set free by the truth experiences Freedom from sin. We're set free from the tyranny of the devil. Jesus is our master. And a believer's goal is to increase in holiness all the days of our life. It means we shouldn't be content with sins that continue in our life. Ask God through the Holy Spirit to pull those weeds in your life out by the root. Get rid of them. You don't need them. That's not who you are. God has set you free from that junk. And then third, we've seen that a life set free by the truth, it has a lasting and a secure freedom. So I want to ask, are you experiencing the assurance of your salvation? Do you know that? That nothing can snatch you out of Jesus' hand. If you've got that security, boy, you know what? You're in good hands. You know what that means? You don't have to agonize and worry all the time. You don't have to be in control. You don't have to be so uptight. God's got you. He's got your family. That's freedom to live like that. Finally this morning, a life set free by the truth will have a relationship with God. Our verses culminate at the end of this chapter. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was, I am. And they picked up stones to stone him. It's, get the sense, this is pretty dramatic, what he says there. What is going on exactly? Why did they get so upset? Well, the original language where Jesus says, I am, That was a special word used only by the Jews to refer to God. And it refers back to God's conversation with Moses at the burning bush back in Exodus, where he says, I am who I am. And that was a revelation of his special name. And so these people understood that Jesus was identifying himself with God, and they couldn't take that. They did not believe that. 
Stoning was reserved for blasphemers, and that's what they saw Jesus as. But Jesus was actually bringing them to the most ultimate truth of all, that he was God. And to belong to him is to belong to God, our Heavenly Father. To know him is to know God. To listen to Jesus' voice is to hear God himself. The ultimate freedom of all is a freedom that breaks beyond the realm of this world. It goes beyond our human understanding. It goes beyond creation and the laws of nature. In Jesus, we have a relationship with the one who is God over all, the only one who is truly and ultimately free. And the Bible is the story of God and his people and how sin breaks our fellowship with our creator and how God has worked to bring us back into fellowship with him so that we would be freed from our enslavement to that other master, Satan. Jesus comes to tell us that he is the answer because he is God in the flesh. That's why he says he's the way, the truth, and the life. It's because he's God. That's why he knows what's best. He knows what he's talking about when he talks about these ultimate matters like truth and freedom that people have talked about for centuries. He created truth. He is truth. He created freedom. He knows what you and I need. We need his word. We need his voice. We need freedom from sin. And and we need that security to belong to him and his family forever. And we need, ultimately, God himself. And we've got a relationship with him in Jesus. If you're a believer this morning, I invite you to check your heart, check your life, that these characteristics of God's freedom are going on, that they're active in your life. If you're not a believer, turn from bondage to true freedom for the very first time, maybe, by turning to Jesus. I had a feeling of being in bondage recently. I want to tell you about We went as a family uh, to Michigan, as we usually do after Christmas. Um, We celebrated Christmas with our families, and this year, uh, on the weekend after Christmas, we had a very special celebration. My grandpa Post, we call him Paca, he turned 90. He had 10 children, and so with his kids and their spouses, his grandkids, I'm the oldest of 26 grandkids on that side, their spouses, great-grandchildren, about 80 people. We gave thanks. We celebrated. Well, on the way there, I was driving on 8094, well into Indiana, going 70-something miles an hour. Cop pulls me over. Going to have this great weekend. He asked me if I knew the speed limit. I said, yes, very confidently. It's 70. He said, well, actually not as confidently since he asked me. I said, yes, 70. He said, no, 55. And I gulped. He wasn't in the mood for chatting about this. He took my license and registration. He came back a while later with a citation for going 74 in a 55, 19 miles over the speed limit. I went on to Michigan, a little less joy in my heart. Um, Less than a mile down the road, we see the speed limit sign, 70. So he got me right on the very edge of 55, turn into 70. That was frustrating, but I was guilty. There was no argument. I called the number on the citation about my options, um, pay 148 
or go to a court time in Gary, that's where it was later in January, and argue the ticket. I pretty much decided then that I'd just have to pay the fine. But I wasn't going to think about that now. I was looking forward to our time with family. Fast forward to this past Wednesday night. I knew the court date was later in January. I thought it was like January 20-something. But I, I looked at it, thankfully, on Wednesday night, and the court date was the next day, Thursday, 5.30 p.m., so the first thing on Thursday morning, I call to pay the fine over the phone. Guess what? That's not an option. It had to be mailed in. And I'm like, but my court time is tonight. She says, if they don't have the payment paid in time and you don't show, the judge could raise the fine. I did not want to risk that. 148.50 was bad enough. I'm getting a little panicked at this time. I'm feeling pretty stuck. She said, or you could drive to the courthouse and pay the clerk in person. And I'm thinking, man, I don't have the time to drive to Gary and back today. And then she said, or if you know someone in Gary, they could make the payment for you. A ray of light. (laughs) Suddenly I had hope because I knew a guy in Gary, my father-in-law, Tom DeVries. He's a member here. I think the snow kept him home today. I called him right up without hesitation. He said, I'm going to take care of it right now, son. I'm driving right there. I said, thank you. He called me a little later to confirm. He said, it's all paid. I said, thank you so much. I was relieved. The burden was lifted. I was free, all because I had a man in Gary. And you see, what the Bible tells us is that no matter who you are, no matter what your situation, no matter how stuck you feel, you've got a man. You've got a guy. You've got a man. His name is Jesus. He, fully man and fully God, he went to the cross to pay the price for sin so that we'd be free from its bondage and no longer slaves but sons and daughters. If the Holy Spirit, through God's word, is convicting you this morning of the truth that all on your own, you are in bondage. Then I invite you to go to Jesus. Call out to him, reach out to him in prayer. He'll tell you he's got your sins covered too and that you're free. And then go live in freedom. No longer a slave, but a son, a daughter of God. Amen.